The following is a Learfield presentation of MSN. It is a great day to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. The Mountaineer Sports Network. It's time for the Mountaineer Insider Podcast. Get insight into your favorite West Virginia University teams and hear exclusive interviews. Now let's go inside our MSN studios. Here's your host of the Mountaineer Insider, Andrew Caridi. And we are back for another edition of the Mountaineer Insider Podcast. I'm Andrew Caridi. Happy to have you with us as we touch on football and basketball today. In this episode of the Insider, we'll speak with Blaine Stewart, newly named tight ends coach for West Virginia University football, a guy who is known the West Virginia football program since he was born. He's been trying to get back to WVU for quite some time now. Now he's got the opportunity to lead his own position and work under head coach Neil Brown. So we'll talk with Blaine and go over his last decade of experience in football and beyond. A Morgantown High School graduate, played wide receiver at James Madison and the University of Charleston, and now is back in his hometown. We'll also touch on West Virginia basketball's next opponent this Saturday. They get out of the Big 12 following that big road win against Texas Tech as they take on Auburn in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Andy Burcham is the play-by-play voice on the radio for the Tigers, and David Kahn, our MSN studio host, catches up with him and finds out more about this Auburn program. But first, what does it all mean for new tight ends coach Blaine Stewart in his own words? It's just a great opportunity for me uh, personally. Um, I'm thankful for the opportunity that I had in Pittsburgh to learn and grow and be a part of some really cool stuff. And now um, the opportunity to kind of, you know, put my stamp on a group of young guys, be a part of something that I truly believe in is uh, something I couldn't turn down. Uh, The relationship with Coach Brown over the last couple years really led to this and, and all coaches on staff, you know, when they would come visit the Steelers, um, and spend time with us. We would come down here as Steeler coaches in clinic in the off season. So it was a really good relationship that had been built for a long time. Like this didn't just happen um, overnight. So really the, the people that I'll be working with and the opportunity that presents um, uh, really is why I'm here. And I'm excited about it. You know, there's got to be some value to you understanding WVU in an intrinsic way, right, um, that I think is valuable for not only bringing in recruits, for getting people to understand the experience. What can you bring to the table, I guess, in that regard for a guy that has known for pretty much your entire life? Well, uh, I don't think you're going to find a more prideful person in West Virginia uh, in, in this building than maybe Mike Joseph from Fairmont. But, uh, you know, I, I take great pride in this in this uh, university, this state. Um, I've seen it at the highest of highs. I've seen it at, at a couple lows. And, um, you know, I think the most beautiful part about this university that everyone knows is it's just special to so many people. Um, I think I can convey that with stories, with firsthand experiences, with seeing a guy um, just thinking of one off the top of my head, Darwin Cook pops in my mind, a guy that's not from West Virginia. that comes here, doesn't really know what it's about. He's just come to play football and then leaves a... Um, a really prideful person with this state and will be tied to it forever. And that's just one example. I mean, you can go on and on about the guys that aren't from here and then the guys that are from here, that it means so much to play for the, for the Mountaineers. So I just think a uh, perspective could be a good um, addition for my, from myself that, uh, that I'm excited to bring and, you know, just excited to, to, to show what this place can be to a lot of people. A little surreal coming back now that you're in the building. I mean, I'm sure it's changed drastically, but now you're sitting in your own office. You got posters, you got WVU gear on that you've worn for you know many years prior. But now that you're back in, in a position, what does that mean to you? Uh, it means everything. Like you said, it's, it's surreal. Doesn't even begin to to describe it. Um, my first, actually, on my interview, I came down. 
I'm uh, staying right off Stewartstown Road, so I made this drive a hundred th- thousands of times. And uh, just pulling into the parking lot, I honestly got cold chills. I was like, man, I've done this a lot. Like, I hope I can do this in the future. So to do it every day uh, since I've been back has been really special. And like you said, the building is unbelievable, but it, and it's completely different. The only real consistencies are the weight rooms in the same spot and the meal rooms in the same spot. But other than that, man, everything is different, and it's so beautiful. But I always think about like where stuff used to be and, and where it is now, but it's it's just super cool to see the evolution of not only the program but the facility, and uh, it's definitely surreal and it's something that I'm you know I'm getting used to and it's been great so far. I had the same experience for whatever reason I was doing an Iowa State West Virginia women's basketball game and I was just on the scorers table and I, for whatever reason Iowa State had the ball they were coming out the floor and I was like am I this is weird for me to be <laughs> be doing this right now so I'm sure you'll have the same sort of whoa um, when we get closer to and I'm sure the spring game will do that what are you looking forward to most I guess now that we're in it's January right and and the season doesn't start until until the fall um, but what are your number one things that you're eager to get doing i guess at at this point of the season and what might that be uh well well, for january like you said it's going to be here before we know it so we're just trying to lay a good foundation but um i'm most excited just to get around the guys not only the tight ends but any everyone on both sides of the ball um i'm excited to you know feed off their energy um try to add value where i can and, and I'm really excited to, you know, get on the road recruiting this last week before signing day. But really just being around the players, the support staff and everybody is, is what I'm most excited about. And it's been a great first couple of days. I want to go back to the youth ball that we played against one another because I'm a tangential thinker, which means I just go off. Um, was that North League? Absolutely. Uh, North League. I think we would play on Saturdays or Sunday mornings and um, – I mean, I got to give a shout out to my guy. Nick Colasante was probably the best North League player. I was going to say the exact same thing. I was like, is Nick Colasante the North League goat? Oh, my God. Yeah, he, he would put up some pretty incredible stats for a fifth grader. But, that, uh, yeah, that was good times. Yeah, we won a lot of games, at least on my team. And then every time we played Nick's team, it was like, we're going to lose to Nick. Darn right. Yeah. Well, I just think it's because he was older than everybody else. You know, he, he was a May birthday. He was a May birthday. That, that, that's true. That's true. All right. Back to business at hand. Um, your time with the Steelers, five years there. Um, you know, you were you were serving a number of roles there, specifically being wide receivers coach, sort of as a hybrid between both. What was your experience there, and what did you take away from the program pro game that you can translate to to the college game? Well, my, my experience was was truly something that will be with me long beyond my time in Pittsburgh. I mean, I went there as a young guy. Uh, thankful for Coach Tomlin that with the entry level, just kind of get my foot in the door role, and and to be there five seasons. Just trying to work my way up and add value was really cool. Um, you know, I, I learned a lot. I learned, you know, how, um, you know, things were ran from the inside out. There was there was great perspective. I met, met a ton of people. The networking was incredible. Um, and I think the biggest thing I can add value is, you know, a lot of these guys want to get to that level. Um, and I hope to provide perspective and clarity and kind of just identification of things that can help them get there. Um, definitely was be proud to be a part of a lot of stuff we did there and to bring maybe whether it be schematics or philosophy or just something even a drill um that can help guys i'd be really excited to you know translate that down here what is that relationship between coach tomlin coach brown yourself uh where did that form initially i know that you know everybody knows the the relationship between coach tomlin and your dad and 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 where does coach brown fit into that i mean it's i know it's an hour proximity basically what you know wvu and pittsburgh does that have anything to do with it uh the biggest thing i'd say was you know this 
this me coming to Morgantown wasn't the first time I tried. I tried to get back uh, in the past, and kind of when there was a, an open job here, an open job there, I would reach out and, and just see if I would be a good fit. And Coach T and Coach Brown connected through that uh, probably a couple, three or four years ago now, probably three years ago. And uh, I think they've just stayed in good touch. Um, you know, there's been some um, professional de- relationship with them, whether it be player relations and there's just been some stuff behind the scenes that there was a connection to Pittsburgh and WU that was a cool experience for them to share and I I know they try to keep in touch every once in a while but uh yeah I I just think the two of them doing this at the high level they can relate to each other like they're, they're the highest level of their profession and only so many people can appreciate that so being able to bounce things off of each other I think has been cool for both of them and it's been cool to be a part and watch two guys I respect kind of create a friendship New offensive coordinator and Chad Scott promoted to that position. Chad was obviously a successful running back himself, which I think translates. You had a career as well as a tight end receiver. You were listed as a, as a wide receiver on the University of Charleston's website when I did one of your games when I was at Shepherd, which is pretty cool, by the way. Um, now you're tight end. You're a big guy, so you understand how it is. And you got Cole Taylor to work with, amongst others. Um, what can you bring to that in terms of the individual experience um, to, to the guys in that room? Oh uh, yeah, like you said, I might have ran like a tight end, even though I was listeners here, man. I, I I wish I had a little more burst. I blame my dad being an offensive lineman. That was that was tough for me personally, but no, nah, it's all good. Um, I think the biggest thing I can try to do is is you know develop these guys' overall game. Um, I, I feel really good about my time in Pittsburgh, being primarily in, involved in the passing game and studied a lot of. We had great offensive line coaches, tight end coaches in Pittsburgh that I learned from, and Coach Scott. Um, being a running back coach here, uh, the run game is something that you know has, has been a really positive for this offense. And I think Coach uh, Coach Regan, um, being right next door and having been in the tight end room uh, this past year, will be a good resource for me, just to kind of get my feet uh, wet. But I, I think the biggest thing I can do is just try to add value to those guys as a whole and um, be well-rounded players. That's what we're going to take great pride in. You know, whether it be run blocking, um, be, being very uh, viable options in the past game, helping out and protection um, and just trying to create splash when, when those moments call, come our way, whether it be in the red zone, third down, where we're going to take great pride in just trying to add value to the offense. And I hope to help uh, foster that. You're a challenge oriented guy. You told me you were type A a little bit ago. So that has to be part of your, part of your identity, just facing challenges and, and getting it done, which is this year, obviously with, you know, new offense, new personnel, in the toughest league in terms of parity in the entire country, and that's the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and even out of conference, man, there's there's no rest um, with our schedule. We're going right into it to a tough one week one that we're excited about. Um, I, I think the biggest thing in terms of challenges is just being the best version of ourself um, every, every week. Uh, where we start now to where we'll be going into fall camp to where we'll be, you know, hopefully finishing up a productive season in November is going to be – look drastically different so we're excited about that and uh those those challenges are are being met with with good foundational work now like you know the the first thing we're talking about this week has been just been the discipline of you know doing things right so when you want the results the foundation has been laid um so we're we're excited about those daily challenges and we know that where we want to get to the work has to start now and we're excited to do so you know you're 28 and you coach for the Steelers, now you coach for the Mountaineers. So I'm sure you go back to 9, 10, 11-year-old Blaine Stewart, who was all over it 
you know, I, it, it's hard for me to reflect. I don't know if it's the same for you, but to be able to get that opportunity and get this opportunity specifically in such a short amount of time, I mean, could you have ever imagined it? Because I know coaching, I think, was in the back of your mind for a while, and that that's what you wanted to do for a minute. Um, do you spend time on that? I mean, I, I know the passion is there. That's it's palpable just listening to you. Um, but to do that and to do that early. Uh, it, it honestly hasn't hit me yet. I don't think, like you mentioned, it'll probably hit a little bit for the spring game, but that first time we play um, at a Mountaineer field, man, is, is probably going to hit me. But in terms of just always wanting to get back here was definitely a thing that, that I wanted to do. And, you know, people would make jokes like, oh, like someday. And I'm, yeah, someday. But for it to be now, I, I'm just so thankful and excited. Um, the I, Yeah, you can't ever take – advantage or you can't take for granted this opportunity i'm so excited to be back to be home to be surrounded by people that have you know invested so much in me and i just hope to pour that back into the university and the state um i'm just going to enjoy you know every minute of it and 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 really just give my all for this for the state and the university how much has morgantown changed from the time you've been back because i was gone for a couple years came back it was a little different nothing crazy but it's been a while right because you went away for school and then worked out of school so we're looking at 10 years? Uh, yeah, but but I, ha- I haven't been too far outside the radius, which is a good thing. But no, Morgantown's changed unbelievably. I mean, I remember when we were in high school, we didn't even have a Chipotle. Now, now I think there's three in town. So it's like, man, uh, just things like that. It, it, it's been really cool to see the evolution of Morgantown as a whole and, you know, kind of be – an, an ever-changing aspect um, to this state has been cool, whether it be, you know, the university driving that, the hospitals, the new children's hospital is incredible. Uh, the constant construction of housing and apartments and whatever. Sometimes the uh, the infrastructure may, you know, get hurt a little bit by that, but that's okay, man. It's been, it's been great to just see Morgantown grow and, and really just be, you know, the perfect college town, in my opinion. You know, when we have the students in town, it's it's awesome. And then when they're not in town, the traffic's a little better, but it's still great. So it's uh, it, it, in my opinion, this is you know, the the poster child for what a college town can be. And it's we're we're lucky that we're in the situation. Yeah, Morgantown summer and the open roads is something special that I don't think many can appreciate, especially if you didn't grow up here. Because once you get to that time, that's like a lot of peace of mind, and it's a little prettier outside. Yeah, no doubt. And you know, I just remember always having to change like. Um, a lot of time to get places when the students were back in town. You could be all over town in 10 minutes in the summer, but then if students here might be 30, you might want to go to the interstate. We'll get you a helicopter on the next contract. Um, you know, you have a lot of good memories, obviously, with WVU. You got a spe- specific bowl game or moment where that really stuck out to you, um, so since we're, I, I guess, in the theme of reminiscing? The, the biggest thing I think of when I think of bowl games and stuff like that is the tackle football games we used to play at the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville. Uh, the Marriott Resort out there, we, we would be playing out in the mud, and it, it was it was something to behold. We would be out there all day. I mean, and just to think of the, the people that were there and, and what they're doing now is, is really cool. I mean, like Clint Trickett, uh, Jake Castillo, all my buddies, you guys, you and your brother, um, doing really well. Now. It's just been awesome to see. Um, and it all started, yeah, when we were, you know, young kids just tagging along for the ride, enjoying it. It's, it's been cool. And those and those those bowl trips were probably my favorite time of the year, every year, because we, we, it was just such a unique and fun experience. That's so true. And, and that leads me to my next question, too, because it's like you got Clint, who is part of it, now is coaching. You've got Jake, who is coaching. Cal Poly in California. So he's, he's at Cal Poly, too. Um, it's it, it's it's so predictable though that you know you get kids to grow up in football, 
and they end up wanting to do it myself or, you know, grow up broadcasting and, and here you are. So there, there's got to be something in there, right? Yeah, I would definitely think so. And I think it's just such a, you know, personally was such a unique um, opportunity to be around the guys at the highest level. I mean, to, to be able to call guys like Pat White and Noel Devine and Pat McAfee, you know, big brothers, uh, that they really were to me is just unique. And it, it really did just show me exactly what I wanted to do. And, and there was probably, you know, no doubt that I was going to get into this at some point to be doing it the way I'm doing it now. I'm really thankful. Awesome, man. I appreciate the time. Best of luck. We'll be talking soon. Hopefully we can get you on the Neil Brown press conference show, which comes up. So you'll be a special guest, which means you'll be on TV. So you got to look nice. The beard looks nice. You don't have to shave, but you have to wear nice clothes. Sounds good, man. That'd be great. I look forward to it. Hopefully you're right there with me. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. West Virginia basketball tips off with Auburn at noon this Saturday from the WVU Coliseum. Auburn, an SEC team, participating in the Big 12 SEC Challenge as they take on the Mountaineers. And they've won seven of their last nine games. A strong team that comes in with a 16-4 overall record. Let's learn more with Andy Burcham, the play-by-play voice for the Tigers, as he chats with our MSN studio host, David Kahn. Seems only appropriate that we start with a Big 12 versus SEC comparison. The Big 12 has shown itself to be this bruise gauntlet of a conference where every game seemingly comes down to the final possession. There's a ton of physicality. Games are won and lost at the free throw line. Compare that style for us, if you will, to what you've seen in the SEC this year. Is the style of play similar or not so much? I think it's very similar. It's a very physical league in the Southeastern Conference this season. Not as many close games, perhaps, as the Big 12 this year. It is a game. There are games, though, that are won at the free throw line, but it has been a very physical league. Auburn against Mississippi State, most recently against Texas A&M. It will face Alabama and Tennessee, home and away, coming up before the end of the regular season. So physical play should not be anything new for this Auburn team, and Auburn knows that today it will get another physical team in West Virginia. 
Yeah, they certainly will. And Auburn seeing that five-game winning streak and that elongated home winning streak snapped back on Wednesday with a 16-point loss to Texas A&M. It really seemed like the Aggies controlled that one throughout. What was the biggest problem for Auburn against A&M? Did the Aggies expose something in the Tigers that other teams haven't been able to see yet, or was it just uh, one of those games you kind of shake off and say it was a bad night? Auburn has lost four games this season. And in all four games, Auburn has faced a really good guard or a couple really good guards. They were able to get downhill. It happened against Memphis in Atlanta back in December. It happened at USC in December. And it happened at Georgia this month. So that has been the common theme in Auburn's four losses. In addition, after Auburn jumped out to a 10-2 lead on Wednesday, that's when Texas A&M called a timeout. And then A&M perhaps uncharacteristically so, was really good from the three-point stripe in the first half. And Auburn knows that it will get tested by the Mountaineers from the three-point stripe. But a a guard that gets downhill has been the one common factor in all four of Auburn's losses this season. We will see how that plays out with Kedrian Johnson, who has been red hot for the Mountaineers as one of their guards in West Virginia, as you mentioned, very prone to the three point shot. That was a huge key in their win over Texas Tech back on Wednesday. But you mentioned good guards. So that leads right into my next question. Wendell Green Jr., the team's leading scorer, scorching hot right now. He's coming off his sixth consecutive double figure scoring game when he went for 16 against A&M. It seems like most of his work, though, is done at the free throw line. He's shooting 83% from there, under 40% from the field. What's his game like on the floor that allows him to get to the line so much? Well, he, he is, in spite of the fact that he's five foot eleven and typically is the smallest player on the floor, he is able to get downhill, get to the basket, and draw the fouls. He, he leads the Southeastern Conference with 99 free throws made to this season. And as you mentioned, good percentage from the free throw line at 83%. He's also averaging 5.1 assists in SEC play. He comes off of a double-double a week ago today at South Carolina, where he he really displayed his passing skills in in that game. He can get hot from the outside, but he is a very good distributor of the basketball, pretty good rebounder at 3.4 a game for a guy that's 5'11". But uh, when, when Wendell is hot, when Wendell is good, It's everything about his game. He can be a very good defender. He's a terrific passer. He can be that kind of shooter and a good three-point shooter. Now, in a couple of these losses, Auburn's last two losses, as a matter of fact, teams have done a very good job against him defensively. It happened in Georgia earlier this month, and it happened on Wednesday night against Texas A&M. Now, it's interesting you say that. So with the amount of skills that he possesses, he seems like he's always around the basketball. But you said his last two losses for Auburn, both teams have done a great job of limiting his opportunities offensively. So how do you keep him away from the basketball? Well, a lot of teams try to trap him, especially when Auburn gets the ball across midcourt. Texas A&M pressed Auburn almost all game long. It wasn't necessarily a press for turnovers. It was a press to delay Auburn's offense. And then when Auburn got the ball across midcourt against the guy that's five foot eleven, they used their bigger guards to come out and try and trap him. And we we have seen that against Wendell Green Jr. this season. We've seen that against Auburn this season. Auburn's Auburn's loss though on 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 Wednesday night was not necessarily the A and M defense, which was good. It's A and M offensively. Auburn just had a tr- had trouble stopping 
A&M in that ball game. And, and Auburn knows that against this West Virginia ball club, Auburn will be tested greatly and it will be all over the floor, starting with Kedrian Johnson and Stevenson and Matthews and Mitchell and Bell and Joe Tosant does the same thing. So Auburn knows that it will be sorely tested against this West Virginia ball club from Auburn's defensive standpoint. Yeah, they certainly will be as we're chatting with Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, West Virginia and Auburn set for a high noon tip off here on the Mountain Air Sports Network. Meanwhile, Andy, Auburn also packs another big bruiser in Janai Broom, who's essentially a walking double-double. He's got 41 of them in his career, including two years at Moorhead State, where West Virginia first encountered him in the NCAA tournament. How big of an addition has he been to this year's group for Bruce Pearl, especially knowing that he had such huge shoes to fill in replacing Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler from last year? I don't know where Auburn would be without Janai Broom this season for the simple fact that it has to it had to replace two guys that were first-round draft picks and two guys that are playing well in their first year in the NBA with uh, Jabari Smith with the Houston Rockets and Walker Kessler with the uh, Utah Jazz. And, and Broom has come in. He's a different player. He is a good shot blocker. He's not quite the shot blocker that Walker Kessler was. He's six foot ten. He's a little more physical than, than Walker was a year ago. Of Auburn's six games or eight games in the SEC, Broom has five double-doubles this season. He's averaging almost 15 points, nine rebounds, and two and a half blocks per game in SEC play. So he has elevated his game when it has come to the Southeastern Conference and has played very well against Southeastern Conference teams. It's it's interesting to watch a guy that comes in from Moorhead State where he was known primarily as a defensive specialist, and he has certainly displayed his entire game for Auburn this season. Yeah, he absolutely has. And looking at some of the team numbers as well, it's it's also apparent that Auburn takes extremely good care of the basketball, averaging just 13.3 turnovers per game. Does that translate in your eyes more to a slower style of play for Auburn, or is it more they're just very efficient and accurate with passing the basketball and setting up their shooters? Auburn is best when it gets out in its transition game. This is not a a team that relies solely on a half-court offense. It likes to get out and run. It doesn't run as much as it did a year ago, but it is best when it has pace in its offense. When teams have been able to completely shut down that transition game and limit Auburn to its half-court game, the Tigers at times have struggled. Auburn has been inconsistent from an offensive standpoint this season. When it has been able to get out and run, that's what we've seen Auburn at its best offensively. All right, Andy, we've looked at a lot of different angles of this game today. Give me a key statistic and player for the Tigers if Auburn's going to pull off the victory. Uh, well, a guy that we've not mentioned yet, and that's Jalen Williams, uh, a senior, six foot eight out of Nahunta, Georgia, who is a stretch four for Auburn. He has played even some five in his career. But Williams can pull it to the outside with 22 three-pointers this season. He's averaging just under 12 points a game in the SEC. Has range, still shooting 47% from the field has a really good game inside the paint with a little bit of a left-hand teardrop, as it were. To me, he's the key for Auburn. When he is going well, then that gives Auburn three good threats from an offensive standpoint. Alan Flanagan, whose father, Wes, was a terrific point guard at Auburn and is currently on the coaching staff. Alan Flanagan had uh, Achilles' problem all of last year, is healthy this year, and has kind of come into his own and moved into the starting lineup about four games ago when Chris Moore left with a shoulder injury, Moore will be back. Uh, played Wednesday, he'll be back in the game for Auburn. But, but Flanagan gives Auburn another offensive weapon there. So 
I would say the two guys to me, listen, Wendell Green is the engine of this team, okay? As, as he goes, this team goes. But I think Jalen Williams is the key for Auburn. Uh, there are times when Auburn wants him to be the best player on the floor, and he's a little bit tentative. He was Wednesday night. And when he is, this offense is not nearly at his best. All right, we will see how Jalen and the rest of the Auburn Tigers fared against the Mountaineers. Andy, really appreciate the time. Great insight on this Auburn team. This is going to be a fun one to bid a fond farewell to the Big 12 SEC Challenge as well, especially with two great coaches in Bob Huggins and Bruce Pearl matching wits on the parquet floor. Appreciate the time and good luck the rest of the year. My pleasure, David. Thank you very much. Hope you enjoyed this special edition of the Mountaineer Insider Podcast. Looking ahead to this weekend's broadcast schedule on the Mountaineer Sports Network. It's 11 o'clock pregame noon tip for West Virginia and Auburn from the WVU Coliseum. And later that day, 2 p.m. tip for West Virginia women's basketballs. They had the week off and are back in action down in Fort Worth as they take on TCU. We'll have pregame at 145 for that. I'm Andrew Caridi, and we'll see you next week on The Insider. You've been listening to the Mountaineer Insider Podcast here on MSN, the Mountaineer Sports Network. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at WVUMSN or find the latest news and information on the Mountaineers at WVUSports.com. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation of MSN, the Mountaineers Sports Network. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.